On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, welcome back to Sky Sports Radio. It's time for our one of my favourite segments of the week, Monday's Experts. It's an opportunity when we get to talk to a member of the Sky Racing, Sky Sports Radio team, or for that fact, a member of the racing community here in New South Wales, and just find out a little bit about them that we might not already know. And as I mentioned this morning on Punters Postmortem, this week is the final week for our Greyhound caller, our number one Greyhound caller in New South Wales and in Sydney, Tim Newbold. He's moving on to a different career and we thought what an opportunity to have a yarn with him and we're going to be reflecting uh, all week on Tim and the wonderful uh, career he has had with Sky and he joins us on the phone. G'day Timmy. Yeah, g'day Dave. Uh, I feel like a little bit of an imposter on a, on a show like this so hopefully we won't bore your listeners to uh, tears but hey, we can only have a chat and see how we go, eh? Mate, I'm looking forward to it because uh, you, you've got a great story, I think. And, mate, I'm going to start uh, right from the start. Why race calling? What, what made you want to get into race calling back in the day? Well, I, I began going to the trots uh, when I was around seven, seven or eight years of age. Uh, I had uh, close family friends. They were owners and they'd go to the trots you know, every, uh, every Saturday night. And I'd tag along with them. So, you know, most kids, I guess, at that age, you know, you're at home on, on a Saturday night watching, I think, hey, hey, it's Saturday back in those days. But yeah. I was going around to, to Newcastle Trots or Maitland, Maitland Trots or Cessnock or whatever it might be. I, I was born and bred in Newcastle. So we'd go to all of those meetings each and every Saturday night. And, and I just love getting to the track, Dave. Uh, and back in those days, and you know, I'm talking thirty odd years ago now, thirty thirty five years ago, there were you know there were good crowds, you know, at all the meetings you'd go to. So it was just great to be going to the track, and that's what I loved about it. And then I guess I got to around I don't know eleven or twelve, thirteen, and I was running around when you were running around the backyard playing footy. I was always running around commentating. You know, I think I was Terry Lamb at the time, and. And then uh, the interest in race coins sort of, I think, just came from that. I loved Ray Warren growing up and, and Ian Craig and, and PA and, and everyone. I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind having a crack at that one day. And, uh, yeah, I guess when I was 12, 13, just began calling. Uh, actually, I had a computer game from memory called Quarter Pole. And I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd terrorise mum and dad. I'd lock myself away in the room playing, playing that game and calling, calling... <laughs> Calling it off the computer, terrorised mum and dad, and I'm tipping the neighbours as well. They would have, they would have, they would have had enough of me, me yelling and carrying like a pork chop, you know, practicing on this this uh, computer game. But yeah, and it just all came from there. It sort of began that way, Dave. I just, I just loved going to the races, and I thought, how could I get involved? What job could I do which would uh, mean you'd be going to the races for work, you oh, know, day right. in day out? And you know, yeah. it sort of, I stumbled across, you know, the calling, you know, probably later on. In life, I was a casual caller for a long time. Okay, all right. So you're going around, you're growing up. Uh, what about when you sat down with mum and dad and said, hey, mum, dad, I'm, I want to be a race caller. What was the response? Was it, Timmy, uh, what are you talking about, mate? You're off to university or no, you've got to go and get a job. Like, What was the initial response from the olds? 
Yeah, they thought I was stark raving mad. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. Hey, I think the reaction from the, the careers advisor at school, <laughs> she, she didn't know where to look. She didn't know where to turn to when I said, oh, I'd love to be a race caller. She never, she never had that before. But, yeah, no, they were really supportive mum and dad with uh, whatever I wanted to do. Um, when I came out of school, I went. I actually did. I did go to business college for a year. Uh, and then I, uh, then I worked at a computer computer uh, company for for a year or two. That didn't last long. I think I got the bullet there before uh, before going into racing administration when I was around I think twenty years of age. Dave, um, I was actually working prior to that. I was working casually at the, the, the different race clubs in, in Newcastle Jockey Club and whatnot. But yeah, that's uh, it's sort of the career in racing began when I was around twenty as a, a full time career type thing. So you're in the, the racing administration game and you're doing a bit of casual calling. What about your, your before? Because I, I, first time I met you, mate, you were producing at Sky Racing uh, and you're uh, one of the, the top producers there. And then obviously you got the Guernsey to go and do the Greyhound calling. But you're always sort of doing the, the casual calling. When did you start at Sky? I started at Sky in 2006 and I was actually producing this, pretty much the morning show that your, your show that you do now Greg Radley uh, <laughs> really I'm really there. sorry the standards have dropped since then <laughs> <laughs> no don't turn it up no um, yeah so I, I started in 2006 so producing this show Greg Greg was the host and we did that for about I think it was five years or thereabouts before going over to Sky and the plans back then were actually going to replicate uh, the morning show and simulcast it on radio and TV. That just didn't eventuate in the end. Uh, so when I went to uh, the television uh, arm of the, the organisation, I was producing the Catching Pen and also Formline at the time and doing, I was basically yeah, a casual caller, but I would do one race meeting a week, whether it be down at Now or Dapto, and, and I'd combine that with, uh, the producing of the, uh, those other couple of shows. And I love that time, particularly doing Formline, Dave, when you're working with uh, Terry Kennedy at the time. Terry was hosting and then, and then uh, yeah, you had Duff on the show and, and all of the other form guys. So, yeah, that was a really, really enjoyable period. I love doing Formline and, and the catching pen and the like. Okay, so you're, you're at Sky, you're, you're doing uh, the producing, the production for the radio uh, up then into television world. Uh, what about the day you were called into the office to be told that uh, you're going to be the number one Greyhound race caller in Sydney? Yeah, well, it was a bit of a shock and it came out of the blue. Uh, I've got to say that. I, I sat down with uh, management at the time and they said, this is what's happening. And I initially thought, oh, geez, oh, I don't know whether I'm, I'm capable of this. I'm following PA. And, you know, in my opinion, the, the, the greatest yeah. greyhound caller of how all hard, time. How hard, how hard was that, Timmy? On a, on a, you know, obviously you've, you've, you've gone on and done it. But at the time, I mean, a, a little bit like how I sort of felt maybe with this gig, you know, taking after Andrew Bensley, um, who, you know, is a name that everyone knows. And, and, and it's, it's I, I didn't find it very easy. And how did you find it? Oh, bloody hard, Dave. Really tough. Uh, mentally, it was tough uh, because you know, following an icon, um, you know, PA was just an absolute icon of not only in the greyhound industry but a, a radio icon, and and was an amazing caller. And I, I think it was you know one of the top you know two or three callers, uh, callers, race callers of all time, in my opinion. So yeah, it was tough. Uh, and then 
not uh, not long after I went into the role, uh, which was uh, July 2014, it was eight or nine months later, then the Four Corners business hit uh, and then the proposed band. So that first couple of years in the role, Dave, was really, really tough. Um, and yeah, not knowing what the future was going to look like, really. But, yeah, initially it was really tough. But PA was fantastic uh, when I went into the role because when initially I was told, I thought, oh, geez. But then PA rang me that afternoon to tell me, you know, and he, he said, oh, I want you to go into that role. Uh, he said, you're perfect for the role. And that gave me a big boost, Dave, to thought, well, all right, we might as well have a crack at it. I don't want to regret it uh, down the track. So but well, what can happen if, if if it doesn't work out? If if things uh, you know go 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 uh, go the wrong way, I can always go back and, and go back into the producing roles, which I was doing, you know, prior, and which I, which I enjoyed doing as well. So yeah, um, yeah, we we had a crack. Did you feel like you, you know, your 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 dream had come had come true? Yes, yeah. I, I've got to be totally honest. I've was never really that ambitious to be calling in the city. I never considered myself a city caller. I thought, oh, you know, if I get a a gig calling, it'll be out in the country or in the provincial area, to be quite frank. So I never really, um, yeah, I never dreamt of really calling at Wentworth Park, I've got to say, because I didn't think I was up to it. And that's the God honest truth. And so when it sort of came, I thought, oh, well, okay. Um, I, I, I the dream came as far as being a full-time caller, but not yeah. as far as at Whitworth Park. So, you know, I wouldn't say, yeah, it was great to get that gig, but, uh, you know, full-time calling role. But, yeah, it wasn't the dream to call at Whitworth Park because, yeah, quite simply, I didn't think I would ever have ended up there, um, to be to be, to be be blunt. Yeah. And, I mean, that's so that's refreshing to, to hear because there'd be a lot of people out there listening, no matter what career or, or you know, whatever they're doing with their, their life currently, um, you know, we all have aspirations and goals and whatnot, and it just shows you don't know what's around the corner. Mate, what, what's it about the greyhound you love? Oh, I just, the animals. Yeah, I love the greyhound as an animal, Dave. They're, they're a beautiful animal. Um, and, and people are actually now with, the, you know, the, the adoption programs and everything now, people are seeing how great an animal they are and how great a pet they are. Um, and so I love the animal, but... Yeah, it was more just the people in the uh, in the sport and whatnot. I, uh, as I said, early days I kicked off in harness racing really, and I was going to, and I didn't really go to the dogs for the first five, six, seven years. I was going to the races, and then I started to go to the dogs a little, you know, once I got in, you know, um, early teens, and then getting to know everyone. And I, I, growing up in Newcastle, I had a lot of friends uh, who, you know, were going to the dogs as well, and. Um, and, you know, they're, they're lifelong friends now, too. So, now, yeah, we sort of had a tight-knit group. You'd go to the dogs and you'd, you'd, you'd you know, have a bed and whatnot, and then you'd go for a feed afterward or end up, end up at a pub having another, you know, uh, having a bed in the after, during the evening because a lot of the meetings I was going to back in those days in Newcastle and the Hutter all twilight meetings. So, you know, we, we'd go for a feed and, and a drink afterward, which, you know, was always enjoyable. So that social part of being involved in the greyhound industry was great as well. But, yeah, it was probably more the dog, Dave. I, you just, they're, they're a beautiful animal. And as I said, it's great to see it really being shown now with uh, the adoption and uh, programs and everything like that. What about that first? Uh, I presume. Well, I presume it was a night. What about that first time you went into the box there at Winnie Park as the number one caller? What was that like? How were the nerves? Yeah, very nervous. 
very nervous. I actually did a couple of races uh, on PA's final night, and I think I was more nervous on that night than the following Saturday night. Um, but yeah, and uh, but we got through that that first night. We, on, as I said, on PA's final night. Then the following night, a uh, following Saturday night, you know, we got into it. And and once you get into it, and, and you're doing two, three, or up to four meetings a week, Dave, you sort of you're that busy. You just got to you, know, you pick it up and run with it, um, and just hope everything, you know, uh, you know, you know rolls with it. And you got to roll with the punches. And you know, I'm certain a lot of people, you know, and probably to this day, you know, they're still, you know. You, I think punters, punters are a creature's a habit. Uh, when you're getting used to a caller at that particular track each and every week, that, that familiarity, and it, I think it all, um, you know, I'm sure people initially thought, oh, geez, uh, you know, we want PA back and whatnot, and mm. probably still do these days. But, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know, I think it's just in time, you know, it, 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 it took a little while to, to ease into it, but I think once we got rolling, we're okay. Tell me about uh, now. I don't even. I haven't even asked you this, even even off here before. Um, you've got a nickname, Bat, the Battler. Who gave you that nickname, and what's that all about? If you can't say it on radio, what it's about, totally understand. But I, you, 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 people have obviously heard us call you the Bat, um, yeah. and that's obviously short for Battler. What, what what's all that about? Yeah, Greg Radley. Uh, he gave me. He nicknamed me the Battler, uh, just due to anyone. Oh, you know. 10, 12, 13 years ago, people would go, how are you travelling? I was just battling away, battling away, and then Radley just uh, christened me the battler, and then it's just become <laughs> short to the bat at times when people, you know, uh, got a few cheeky mates who don't believe I'm battling too much anymore, so they they, they uh, trimmed it up to the, the bat. Uh, the bat. But yeah, no, we can blame Greg Radley for that. Blame Greg. Well, that, days. The, the segue I'm going with there is the punt. Um, because you have had some good moments on the punt. You've also, like all of us, have had some horrifically sick beats on the punt, um, and I think that's just the, the beauty of the game that we're in. But what about some of those big wins? Have you had some life-changing <laughs> stuff? Uh, oh, yeah, I was always a bad putter, Dave. Um, you know, you just... You, <laughs> before any commitments, family and... And and you know girlfriends and all that you know you 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 live week to week when you're younger just doing your best trying to kick, um, but I did have a life changing uh, win in 2012 and I think most of Sky Channel knew it at the time. Um, I uh, I backed Dunedin to win the Caulfield Cup um, and I, 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 I in the old days I, I I would love betting in those early those. Uh, those all-in markets when, you know, back in those days, you would get value, um, you know, betting two or three months out from a race. So I backed Duna then at, uh, to win the Caulfield Cup in 2012 after he won the Melbourne Cup the year before. I, I, I knew he was coming back. I'd, I'd seen some, you know, um, media articles. And at that time, Dave, I think the Caulfield Cup had dropped off and the, the quality yeah. wasn't quite there back, you know, back, you know, and from you know, 2008, 2009 through to you know, around about that period, I thought, well, if he comes back, um, geez, he's going to be hard to boot. And then the confirmation came, he was go- coming back for the Caulfield Cup, specifically. So I think I took 50 to 1 about him and had a, a pretty sizable bet each way. But then I played a couple of multi, uh, Epaulette in the Golden Rose, uh, and I think he was 10, 15 to 1. So when you're, you're multi it up, you're talking six, 700 to 1. And then 
He got the money, which was beautiful. That was, you know, it might have been, I think back then it was run a little earlier, the Golden Race. So it might have been six or eight weeks before the Caulfield Cup. So all of a sudden, I've got him running for a good result. And then I had another little sneaky double, um, commanding Jewel to win the 1,000 guineas into Dunedin. And back then, the guineas was run on the Wednesday prior to the Caulfield Cup. So she lobbed on the Wednesday afternoon. So all of a sudden, I've got Dunedin running for quite a deal more. So uh, we all know the story. Back to last, Craig Williams to the outside, and he swamped it right down the outside. And, uh, yeah, it was a memorable day, Dave. And uh, and I'll be honest, it did change my life. Uh, we had a uh, – Paula and I, We uh, I said, all right, I've always, I'd, I'd wanted to go back to America. I said, all right, we'll go back there next week, um, next year. So we, we booked a holiday. We were over there for a month. Um, and then that then gave me an opportunity. You know, I paid a few things here and there, and then I had a bit of a punting tank from that point on. And, and I think whenever you've got a punting tank, uh, you bet differently. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I had quite a successful four or five years on the punt um, from that, that, that kick when Dunedin won. So, um, yeah, he certainly changed my life that day, the Caulfield Cup, Dave. What about... Uh... I've watched a few races with you. Mind you, we've always been having a schooner. Mate, uh, how were you at Caulfield <laughs> when he was last? <laughs> the, the, you must have been off your head, the nerves. I, like it, You must have been just, if you had a heart rate on you, you, you would have been max, max, surely max. Oh, yeah, and I actually watched it on my own. Paula was with me earlier in the day, and I had to actually work that night at Richmond. <laughs> I couldn't even celebrate, actually. I, uh, and so Paula went home, I think it was around lunchtime. So I, I, I just actually watched it on my own. Yeah, the uh, the heart was pumping, Dave. But actually, when he went back to last, I thought, I oh, can't win. I thought, oh, well, we're done and dusted. You know, I'll do it another year. We'll try and find next year's winner. Uh but then on the home turn, when they packed up and he got to the outside, he had the momentum right down the outer. So, yeah, no, I uh, I was jumping around like a lunatic, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I was living in, a, in an apartment in, that, in, in those days, and I'm sure the neighbours could hear me carrying on like a pork chop. But I, I, as I said, I had to go to Richmond that night and work. And then I, I had another big day the next day. I think I, I, I had to go in and do work in the morning producing the catching pen because uh, it was on the following night. Then I had to jump in the car and go down to Nara Dogs about midday and call Nara on the Sunday evening. So it wasn't until probably Sunday night I got home about 10 or 11 o'clock and that we actually celebrated. I think Paula had the, the mowing out ready to you know have a drink when I got home on the, on the Sunday night because I couldn't really celebrate you know in the hours after the win. Yeah. What about sick boots? Any come to mind? Oh, yeah. We've all got, we've all got some. This one really isn't a sick boot. Uh, you know, I can't really tend to think I've been, you know, nailed right on the peg for, for big money at any stage. But uh, I do like a multi. And uh, 2018, I got good mail. Uh, 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 one of my best mates is a uh, thoroughbred man, and he he got good mail that uh, Cross Counter was coming for the Melbourne Cup. Um, and if he came, they said he just he he should start favourite. It'll probably just win it. And I yep. thought, oh, all right, okay, well, I'll try and get him running. So this is back in, I think, was early September, early or mid-September. And uh, he was 20 to 1 at the time. So I played him into a couple of dog winners, which they both lobbed. But the the anchor in the multi, uh, Cross Counter and Avilius to win the Metropolitan, 
and I think Avilius at the time was five dollars. So the Mouldy, I think, was four, three, four hundred to one, whatever it might have been. And anyway, um, Avilius was, you know, I think he, he, he was winning his lead-up races to the Metropolitan, and yeah. anyway, he was even money to win the race, and he would have just he would have won with his head on his chest. But there was a late late change. And I think there was a lot of punters who were howling at the time. I was one of them that they went down for the Bart Cummings. Anyway, he won the Bart Cummings and straight into the Melbourne Cup. So, you know, it was probably the right move for the camp. But for all of those punters, I was one of them uh, <laughs> that needed him to go around in the uh, Metropolitan. And, of course, you know, I think he would have won the Metropolitan. And therefore, we all know that, um, you know, Cross Counter won the Melbourne Cup. I did get, a, a you know, a result out of Cross Counter, but it was nothing Nothing well, like what I I could have had him going for. Um, well, we've had, got a special we've got a special guest in the line, mate. James Cummings now. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not there. Um, back back to the Greys, mate. Back to the Greys. I mean, uh, you mentioned before about the the Mike Baird situation, uh, the ban, and uh, you know the fact that the sport was on its knees. Uh, law had been passed. I mean, law had been passed that the sport was not going to continue. Now we're talking about million-dollar races uh, at Wendy Park and the infrastructure that's been spent at Grafton. and It's quite extraordinary, and it shows the resilience of the sport. Um, did you ever think, and for those that are, you know, for the, for the people that you are around as well, those older heads that you, you know, meet at the track, did you ever think you'd see a million-dollar race at Wendy Park and you'd be calling it the first yeah, million-dollar not- race? Yeah, not on your life, Dave. Uh, where the sport is at the moment, it's, it's, it's just it's extraordinary compared to where it was uh, back in uh, 2016 um, and what everyone was facing back then. Um, and, yeah, that million-dollar race, uh, I know there were a few narcs out and about who wanted to knock the concept when it was first uh, mooted back in uh, mid-2018, uh, but it has been a raging success. Um, all three million dollar chases uh, have been won by Greyhounds trained in New South Wales actually out in, you know, around the Richmond London Derry area uh, so it's been a raging success but yeah I, I'd never ever ever dreamt that I'd be calling um, you know a million dollar chase you know as I said earlier on Dave I never even sort of dreamt I'd be calling golden easter eggs and whatnot because I never thought I'd, I'd end up there but um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a remarkable turnaround where the industry is, and and it's so popular, Dave. Now with uh, the younger demographic, um, yeah. and I, I think it's due to I put it down to you know uh, attention spans. Uh, they're not all that long. I think that so you know I am sounding old now. I know, but um, you know the, the younger brigade, the, the greyhounds are over in thirty seconds or forty seconds. And I think that's what they love about the greyhounds. That there's only eight dogs in a race, and you know you can follow the colours, red, white, whatever you want to you know, want to do. And and uh, yeah, it's quite a remarkable turnover day, a turnaround day where the industry is uh, today. To compare where it was, it was like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I just I just find it um, amazing, mate. This might be too hard for you to answer, but is the best dog you've ever called live, Fernando Bale? Yes, yeah, yeah, live without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yep. I've always said I thought Brett Lee was the best greyhound I've ever seen, but the, but I think Fernando Bay, Bale is up there with him, and I was lucky to call him in a lot of races. Uh, a lot of his wins at Woodworth Park. Uh, What's the famous that? one where where you you've, you've 
and I always get you when we're out of having a drink. I'll say, you know, you know, especially when you uh, you're straight up back from the bar. You'll say, oh, you've come out humming. What what was that? Was that the golden Easter egg? Yes. The 2015 Golden Easter egg, yeah. You're not the only one. Andrew Martin, <laughs> every time I run into him, came out humming. Uh, yeah, that that was one of the, uh, the one of my most memorable uh, races, Dave. It was my first Golden Easter egg uh, after taking the gig, so I wanted to get it right. Um, and you know, he he at the time he had he was you know the buzz dog at the time. He was creating. You know, uh, you know, or attracting publicity that you know your you rank and file sort of you know outside of just greyhound racing. Um, you know, he's and then then what he's gone on since uh, to do was uh, as a start, it's quite remarkable. But now he would be the best I've uh, I've called, and I he's a favourite too because I, you go back to the punt. Uh, actually, a week prior to that golden Easter egg in the semi-finals. Um, I had a I had a really good result, and I calling the res, calling the race. It was you know, quite tough, but I still don't think people knew would have would have been able to pick it. But yeah, no, I got a, I had him finishing in the uh, in the quaddy on semi final night, uh, and got a pretty good result off Fernando Bale. So he's he's uh, the best I've called, but probably up there my, my favourite greyhound. Your well. favourite, yeah. Well, that's where I was going to go next. Your your favourite. Uh, who's the the one dog that? I mean, obviously, there's that call with Goodwan, which which sort of went viral, where he was out the back and was an absolute all sorts, and then just flies through. I mean, if you have you ever had the the old, you know, the, the 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 what do they say, the the hairs on the back of your neck stand up in a particular call when you've been calling, and you've just, you know, not saying you remember because it happens so quick. Not saying you remember everything you say in a call, but if you sort of had to go back and go, wow, you know, I can't believe that just happened in front of me. Oh, I, probably not one particular race stands out, Dave. Probably all of the million-dollar chases, I think, all three, yeah. um, going into those races. I think the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up, you know, when they're parading and they're about to load into the boxes. And uh, do, you reckon, but, do you reckon that's crowd-related, mate? Because it's it, it's a real amphitheatre, that, when he parks it up, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is, but... Look, I'm high up, and I, I can, you know, I can either close or open up the window. No, I think it was more, you know, the, how big the race had become, and and it, it did go on to free to air in 2019. So that was another big thing, day because uh, your audience, uh, you know, basically probably tripled or, or even more. I, I, I dare so I think in, in 2019 when it was on free to air, it was on the second gem for Channel Nine, and I think they might have three or four hundred thousand tuned in, but I know the ratings last year for the Million Dollar Chase, when it was run after, uh, put on air after the uh, the footy on the Friday night, there was 850-odd thousand which were tuned wow. in to watch the race. So, yeah, I think those races, yeah, that's that's when yeah, the hairs on the back of your neck are, are definitely standing up, you know, when, when they're getting into the boxes and about to be loaded away. But I, I wouldn't say any one particular race you know, um, you know, I guess that good one race, I didn't realise, you know, what was happening at the time. I knew it was an amazing win. But then the following 48 hours, 72 hours, went, went basically global viral uh, on the internet. It was quite remarkable. What about if you weren't race calling, what would you be doing? Well, I know you're going back into administration, but, but if you hadn't have gone down that, this path, would, what would you be doing? 
Yeah, I really don't know. As far as going, uh, you know, if I didn't, I, I just always wanted to be in racing, Dave, whatever, whether it be in the administration or, or in the media side of things. So, look, I'm useless as far as, you know, with my hands. I can't do anything. I'm barely lucky to change a light globe. Um, so, yeah, there's probably something, in, uh, you know, something in an office doing, you know, paperwork or, or whatnot like that because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally useless. Um, you know, I couldn't be a tradie or anything like that. Um, so, But I, I think I just had a one-track mind in the, when I was a teenager that I just wanted to work in racing in, in some way, shape or form. And, and then, you know, as I went to the, the, the admin and then the media. So, yeah, yeah I, I, it's, it's probably a little hard to, uh, hard to, to imagine. imagine you know, working in another field. Yeah, it's... Uh, they always talk about, <clears throat> pardon me, right place, right time. Mm. Is there one? Is there that one moment that you sort of think, you know, gee, even looking back before you got the full-time gig doing the producing with, with Greg, uh, what's the one, that one moment where you, you know, you look back and go, right, well, if I hadn't have gone, you know, down that path or had that moment, this mightn't have all turned out like it has. Yeah, it was probably uh, when um, yeah I, I I was working uh, running the garden as the racing manager there, and the opportunity came up to go and uh, and work at, at uh, Sky Sports Radio with Greg. And probably if I didn't, and, and I was living I was living in Newcastle, so um, I wasn't particularly fond of Sydney back in those days. I liked coming down for a day or two, but. You know, I know it's only a couple of uh, hours up the road, but coming down to Sydney was quite daunting for me because I, you know, just knew pretty much most of Newcastle. You know, I grew up there, and it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a small, it's a, you know, bit of a country town in a way. It's not a country town, but it's a, it's a big country town in a way. Um, so I think if I didn't make that decision to leave that role and, and come down to Sydney and, and with the role with Greg, you know, I guess. Everything else which has happened since wouldn't have, you know, worked out that that way. So I think that'd probably be, you know, the, uh, the, the, the I was probably in the right right place at the right time because Greg rang me and asked me whether I'd be interested in that role, and uh, and I was. And 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 again, though, Dave, I think I was very lucky. Where I was when I was in in the producing roles at Sky and and doing a meeting or two in the Greyhounds, I was very lucky. I was in the right place at the right time when PA decided to hang up the binoculars. I was, I was right there, you know, and, 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 you know, I was given the role then. So I was very lucky back then. I think I, you know, as I said, I, the, I was in the right place at the right time for the, the, the role I'm in now. Tim, uh, you've been a wonderful mate of mine. I remember when I first started at Sky, young bloke from Brisbane, you uh, were one of the blokes to come up and sort of lend a hand, have a yarn, um, which which helped enormously. And, mate, uh, it's been wonderful to see you go on, achieve what you've achieved in greyhound racing. And you're staying in the sport. You're not going to be, you know, lost to us. But um, I just think it's great, mate, and I appreciate you spending half an hour with me chin-wagging on the, uh, on the wireless, mate, on Monday's Experts. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Dave. Uh, yeah, no, I'll be I'll be around at the, the new role I'm going into at Greyhound Racing New South Wales is a is a club operations role, but there'll be a bit of media work blended into that role as well. So I'm sure uh, we'll see each other around the tracks and uh, at the big meetings 
uh, at Wentworth Park and, and, and whatnot because I'll be at all of those meetings, you know, doing a bit of media work as well. So uh, we'll see each other uh, around the traps. And it's been a pleasure having a chat today. Normally we're, we're doing it with a schooner or two alongside of us. Exactly. Well, it feels like we've got a schooner anyway, mate. That's the main thing. So I'm glad you did a good yarn thing. Thanks for coming on, Timmy. Thanks, Dave. Ta-da.